Hello and welcome to Move the Line, presented by WinBet. Download the WinBet app today, enter our promo code 444, and you can receive a risk-free $1,000 bet. I'm Ryan Noonan, joined here as always by Connor Allen. Connor, what's going on, buddy? Not much. I mean, it's crazy that it's already week 13, and I, it almost makes me sad that the regular season's almost over, but I, then I remember that we have the whole playoffs to bet on things, and there, there's still plenty of time. You know, there, There's nothing to be worried about the season ending quick enough. We're still going, man. Yeah, we get yeah. the extra week this year, and... Uh, does feel like a grind, but he, there's nothing better than grinding football. It, it, I know that uh, our guest feels that way as well. Excited to bring on a friend from The Ringer, staff writer over there. You can find him on multiple podcasts, preferably on Spotify, The Ringer Podcast oh, Network, yeah. uh, Ringer NFL Show, the uh, betting show with Warren Sharp. It's our buddy Ben Solak. What's going on, Ben? appreciate the spotify plug thank you yeah gotta keep it i gotta keep the family no i uh this this is what i describe as the valley of the nfl season right like we're like 12 weeks in everything that's interesting has already been talked about 12 different ways and now we're just trying to get to the point where we know who the playoff teams are and who they're gonna play and what's gonna be fun that we're just gonna get through the end of november beginning of december then you start to get like some play-in games some divisional whatever but like 11, 12, 13, 14, those are the weeks where you're like, oh, man, the Rams are playing the Jaguars. There's just no reason <laughs> right now to be doing anything. The Rams need the Jaguars, man. They need to get back. We'll get, yeah. we'll get in that one for sure. But uh, yeah, it has been, uh, it's been a wild season. It's been a wild month. I mean, November was, was crazy uh, from a betting perspective. But I uh, want to remind you at the top, again, housekeeping, move the line is two shows a week. Uh, we both have a podcast and YouTube form, depending on what your preference is. Wherever you are, we appreciate you subscribing so you don't miss a show. Again, this is Game by Game Breakdowns. On Friday, we get a little bit uh, into the prop market with our buddy Prop Stars, so definitely want to check those shows out. Again, uh, look into the show notes too, 444.com slash plans. You can get access to our betting sub, all the tools we have going on over there. Lots of cool stuff. Hopefully, you took advantage of that promo last week, which got you a betting sub for like $24, which is just insane. So still cheap for the rest of the year as we were wrapping up the season. So yeah, December 1st, new month, like you mentioned here. Underdogs and unders in particular were really the theme in November and really have been for the entire season. 99-77-1 against the number for dogs this season. 73 of those were outright winners. So again, wow. this tends to be more like descriptive than predictive, but there's an ebb and flow to this for sure. But just a reminder, like especially when we're talking about things that are like under a touchdown, Sprinkle a little bit on that money line too if you're back in that dog because they are they're just winning at a crazy crazy rate. So uh, let's jump into our week 13 slate. We'll get it started here with the Bucks on the road in Atlanta. They are laying ten and a half here in the division. Fifty and a half is the total. Again, these lines over at WinBets. Again, we always suggest shot the lines wherever you possibly can. Strong correlation between Cordero Patterson playing. And the Falcons scoring a touchdown. Um, <laughs> we'll see if that continues this week. I'm not sure it matters, though. I feel like Tampa might be one of those teams that is kind of on the come here for a little bit. We know this offensive unit is incredible. Tops in DVOA, EPA per play, points per drive. And the defense is starting to get healthier and playing well, too. I mean, they're eighth and past the DVOA. I mean, we've been talking about how you can't run on this team. You have to pass against them. And they're starting to tighten that up, too. And guys are coming back. So, uh, Ben... Ten and a half on the road in the division is probably a tall ask, but uh, I don't know that I have much faith in the Falcons. 
Yeah, it's tough to trust the Falcons, especially because, like, I, I go back to that Thursday night game, and you never want to get too drawn in by like, the nationally televised games. Those are the ones that kind of stick in your memory. But the issue with the Falcons all season, and it's typified in that game, is they can just get out physical, right? Like, they're a small team in the trenches. I mean, look at what Arthur Smith wanted to be in Tennessee and what he was in Tennessee, and now what he is in Atlanta. And you ask what the biggest difference is it's that. It's that Tennessee was big. <laughs> AJ Brown, Corey <laughs> Davis, offensive line, Derek Henry, just big. They they had powerful dudes. They were playing ex ex college tackles, Roger Saffel and Nate Davis, a guard. These are this is a big group. And then here in Atlanta, uh Thomas Dimitrov, the ex GM, had built this team for speed. You know, this is Grady Jarrett, Deion Jones, Koyasadia Lucan on defense, on offense. This is Jalen Mayfield and Caleb McGarry, Calvin Ridley, Russell Gage, Alameda Zacchaeus. This is a this is a smaller group. It's built for speed and quickness. So there's a philosophy difference there. Now you get Tampa. Tampa's a big offensive line, a big, big big defensive line this is a very large physical group that's the group that has really dominated and give the falcons trouble so far this year which worries me for for this matchup because i think in general the falcons arrow is pointed up like matt ryan's playing better they're figuring out what they want to be on offense they're getting some nice games out of russell gage of alameda zakias they're like figuring stuff out you know losing calvin ridley that kind of shakes you a little bit so you're gonna get there they're generally pointing up but there are these games where you kind of expect these dips with them Patriots was a spot for that. And to me, the, the Bucs are a spot as well, where I just think they're going to struggle to move the ball on offense. They're going to struggle to stop things on defense. They just have a size disadvantage when it comes to the trenches. Yeah, and Uncle Lenny got going last week, Connor, too, in a big, big way. Probably a nice spot to Ben's point here where they should have some running lanes up front to be able to dominate. Uh, what are your thoughts here early on this matchup? Yeah, I think you mentioned a lot of it with their pass events playing better. But one thing that I want to note is kind of like the Bucks struggle so far on the road, you know, relatively. So, so far on the road, if you look at their games, they lost to the Rams, beat the Patriots by two, beat the Eagles by six, but then lost to the Saints by 11, and then lost to the Washington football team by 10, and then pulled off a you know comeback win over the Colts. So, I think, you know, if we do have any, like, you know, uh, like holes in this team, I think that it could be on the road. But, I mean, as Ben mentioned, I think that they're better, like, pretty much everywhere, like, you know, almost in all facets of the game. So, for me, it's, it's definitely not going to be uh, on the Falcons. I think I would probably prefer laying it uh, the 10 with the Bucks. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, really impressive last week for Matt Ryan. He he managed to have a negative completion percentage over expectation despite having a four yards per attempt average. That's really hard to do. Like you figure those low A dot throws are going to lead to a pretty high completion percentage, but uh, especially against the Jags. I mean, I want to think that the arrow is pointing up, but again, there's just a lot to be desired there offensively uh, in this matchup. It's hard to lay 11 in the road, like maybe a teaser leg. Um, you can maybe sell me on a Bucks team total, even though this is a pretty high number. Like they just, they get into the thirties more than other people. So uh, you can get me there, but uh, otherwise it's probably a stay away. All right, next Arizona on the road in Chicago, Chicago catching seven and a half. Uh, I think I've seen some eights out there too. 46 here is the total Cardinals coming out of the bye week looking to move to seven and oh on the road this season. If they can handle their business here, looking like we get Kyler, and DeAndre Hopkins back this week. Uh, they are uh, they were at practice today in a limited fashion. So uh, Cliff Kingsbury and Vance Joseph really deserve a ton of credit. Two and one with Colt McCoy at the helm. I thought that was really impressive. I uh, really don't care who you're playing. And I think we have a, a pretty good enough sample at this point to think that this Arizona defense is pretty good. We had a lot of questions, Connor, coming into the season about this unit. Definitely thought this was the fourth best team in that loaded division, but mostly because the defense was a problem, but third in DVOA, EPA, yards and points per drive, like all the key metrics, they are really killing it. Jones and Golden are playing well at the defensive end. Uh, Alfred and Murray, I think, are playing better than we thought on the outside. Pretty nice safety crew back there with 
with Baker and Thompson uh, as far as like coverage safeties go. And yeah, I mean, the Bears probably get Justin Fields back here, Connor, but uh, I don't know that it's going to be enough. What are your thoughts here early on this one? Do they? I don't. I don't know if like I think his status is still kind of up in the air. I'm not sure. He practiced today, right? So they have. They, we got to watch their injury report because we had Roquan Smith, Hakeem Hicks, Allen Robinson, Cole Komet all not practice today. Yeah. But I think I, Fields is back. We'll see. I think it was just like so notable that um, you know Dalton came back in and immediately it seemed like he fit right in with the Bears offense and it's like very clear that they planned that Bears offense to just be a Dalton offense like at the end of the year. And that when they threw fields in during that Cleveland game, they tried to run that same offense and it was just a complete disaster. And so it's like they didn't know what to do. So they just decided to go run heavy and like just hand the ball off as much as possible. At least that was my takeaway for at least the first first few weeks. And then they started to kind of figure it out a little bit more, run a little bit more play action, kind of utilize a field strengths and throwing the ball downfield. Um, but so in, in this one, I think that obviously it depends on who's playing quarterback. It, I don't think Dalton was necessarily good at, you know, executing the system. I mean, they, they barely beat the Lions, but, you know, I, it just felt like a more natural fit compared to what they saw with Fields. And they did go a lot past heavier. They didn't just jam the ball with Montgomery. Um, and I, I thought that was a little bit different. And I don't, I don't know if Nagy's going to survive. I thought that rumor was, you know, kind of interesting that he would get fired after Thanksgiving. But the reality is that the Bears and the McCaskies haven't done it, uh, you know, in season, I mean, ever. So I think that that's kind of like, it's their their decision when it comes down to it. And, you know, they're, I don't know, too soft or just don't want to make the in-season switch. So, Ben, are the Cardinals legit? Is this a, a top, you know, should we be considering them a top two, three seed here? I mean, obviously they're going to get the seeding, but do we, you know, do we think that they're a legit Super Bowl contender? I think they're a legit top one, top two seed. I'm worried the degree to which that's just like by default, right? Yeah. Like all these other teams keep losing dumb games they shouldn't lose. And the Cardinals beat the Seahawks and with Colt McCoy, you know what I mean? And it's like, all right. They, they they do the job. They're putting up the, the numbers in the win column. And at some point, that just matters more than all the other stuff that, that, that we end up talking about. I think the point about the defense is very well taken, right? The You started the season, you're like, this defense isn't going to be good. And each successive week, you moved a little bit more from that to like, right. okay, well, it's just good. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's you, you, you're surprised by how many people are outplaying your expectations, but it's happening. And it's been happening for a while now. The thing that really makes this game important for that Cardinals defense is the Bears cannot it doesn't matter if it's Dalton or Fields, they can't pass protect. And it's because they have bad talent and it's because they're bad system, right? They're, they really just struggle to like, get into their protection scheme. So if you give them, you know, four good down rushers, those guys will beat them. But if you give them what the Cardinals do, which is like six dudes, all of whom might come, they are in trouble, right? This is not a, a circumstance in which they're going to be good. And their, their left tackle is going to be Jason Peters up against Chandler Jones. You know what I mean? Like they, even when you get your one-on-one matchups, it's still a huge advantage for the Cardinals, which is why like, I think, You'll probably see Dalton for another week. Just if I if I were doing it and Fields was close but not there, I wouldn't want him playing against this Cardinals front. Uh, and if you see Dalton, I agree with Connor. Like the floor gets a little bit higher, but still in general, I don't think it's a good offense. I don't think he has explosive play responses when he's under pressure the way Fields does. You're not going to catch like the variance there with the high ceiling. Mm-hmm. So like under on on eighteen point five feels good. And also, I know we said it's dogs, uh, you know, so far in November, but it's my second favorite. Uh, Cardinals, my Cardinals covering minus eight feels good for me as well. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Yeah, you can definitely sell me on an 18 and a half under for sure. We're on the right side of the key number to take advantage of, of that in a big, big way. So uh, that's a that's a good look there, too. Might have some James Conner props that we'll want to look at when that kind of market. Love James Conner's prop this year. He's very, very handy, mm-hmm. isn't he? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's, he's going to have one more week, I guess, without uh, without Chase mm-hmm. Edmonds. So, yeah, he should be able to hammer against that uh, that Bears front, especially if you have no Ruck uh, on Smith and, uh, and Hakeem Nick. So, yeah. Uh, Hicks really matters. I mean, we've been, that's been the thing I know Connor's really focused on when Hicks is out of the lineup. 
you know, we want to look at some of those bears. Uh, yeah, I, I haven't seen the EPA splits this year, but there was like a huge split last year of like, you know, just they went from like a top five run defense to like a bottom five unit, at least in their, their EPA splits with and without Hicks. So Yeah, and it, it's yeah. very funny because they drafted Zayvon Collins. And then if you remember in camp, they were like, we're giving Zayvon Collins the starting job. Like it's happening. Like, there was mm-hmm. no like, oh, it's going to be a competition. Like we're giving it to him. Jordan Hicks was like, wow, this sucks. Jordan Hex is the starting linebacker. It just never <laughs> happened. And it's like, yeah, it's because he's really good. But that's the thing is he hasn't he hasn't missed much time this year. And so in general, we haven't we haven't seen what this run defense looks like without him. Yeah. I'm with you too. All right, we're waiting for some dogs. Maybe this will be a dog. Oh, I don't know. This is not gonna be a dog. We got the uh the Colts <laughs> on the road against the Texans. Uh, Texans catching nine at home. 46 is the total. I think losing at home to the Jets when Zach Taylor posts a negative EPA per play. Uh, negative completion percentage over expectation and a 38% success rate. Uh, that is a pretty bad look. But again, when you are featuring Rex Burkhead uh, as a prominent contributor to your offense, uh, we need to get, get our expectations in check. So, um, yeah, on the other side, uh, I think Frank Wright was dragged for no reason uh, for not establishing it enough last week against Tampa. And I thought his uh, the way he handled that in the press conference was fantastic, really basically saying we probably should have abandoned the run earlier uh, because of the way that game plan was going, which you'd love to see. He probably deserves to be in the coach of the year conversations, especially if they can somehow make a run to catch the Titans here, which is going to be hard. They're like two back. It might as well be three because the Titans won both of those games. But they have right. really, really played good football of late, which is interesting to see. They turned the ball over five times last week, still had a shot to win against the Bucks. We were down on them to start the year, but it was that brutal schedule. But really, since that schedule started, since week six, the Colts offense leads the league in EPA per drive, uh, which I don't think any of us thought with a Carson Wentz-led offense was going to be happening at all. Ben, uh, talk to me about this spot. Yeah, I, uh, uh, I the Frank Wright thing really bothers me. It gets my goat, man. We're, <laughs> we are in the scoring points business. We are not in the, this is how we, I just, it's 24 first half points. Who cares how you got there, man? Yeah. Something worked. Crazy. And the fact that that gets put under the microscope is just plain silly. Sure, it's fun, like, for Jonathan Taylor to have nine straight games with 100 rushing yards and a touchdown. Like, that's sick. But what's more sick is 24 points on the defending Super Bowl champions at <laughs> halftime. You don't turn the ball <laughs> over and you're fine. Uh, so that, that's that been bothering me all week. Uh, the Texans are going to give you uh, runnable boxes because they're going to play with two deep. The Colts are going to give you runnable boxes because they're going to play with two deep. Uh, both teams are going to try to sit on top of you, play zone, make you throw short completions, right? Which takes a little bit of the game out of how Carson Wentz likes to do it with the deep stuff. But we've seen them be an effective shallow passing game because they know how to scheme it up there. And then for the Texans, that becomes like the Tyrod Taylor scramble game underneath. They get like Brevin Jordan working underneath and whatever. Uh, all of this to say the drives are going to be long. There are not going to be many explosives. They're going to be threes instead of sevens when you get into scoring drive and the clock's going to keep running. This to me is an underspot. Uh, and, and, when you have an underspot and it's a nine point line, usually you like the dog. And I'm not going to lie. Like I enjoy backing the Texans this year because in general, I think people don't realize how well Tyrod's playing. Uh, it's just that this is not the space you want to do it in because if the Colts have a lean or running the football, they're still scoring points. You want to do it in a situation where the guys with the lead against the Texans aren't scoring points when they're running the ball. That's not the case with Indy. So probably won't take Texans plus nine, uh, but under 46 feels like the right spot for me. Yeah, good call. I think, Connor, that's probably our first Brevin Jordan reference of the season. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's stepping up a little bit. He right? yeah. He's underdrafted. He's getting there. I like it. Yeah, well, there, you know, a couple of you know guys being deactivated at the positions. Yeah, he's getting mm-hmm. some snaps for sure. So, uh, Connor, is this the spot where the dog barks for the first time? No, 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 I'm not into that. I think the under is probably the play. Um, 
I one my biggest note was on this, like some of the metrics just like really disagree on Houston's defense right now. DVOA has them at eighth and EPA has them at 22nd. Uh, and it's, you know, usually you'll see a discrepancy, but it's just, I just thought it was interesting that there's such a wide, you know, uh, distribution of that. But for, for me, I think that they're, I mean, the truth probably lies somewhere in the middle that they've been, you know, better than what we expected coming into the year, but they're probably not a top 10 defense. Uh, and so I, I think that, you know, Ben, Ben laid it out pretty well. We're probably going to see plenty of Jonathan Taylor here as, you know, the, the Texans sit back. And, uh, I think that Jonathan Taylor props could very well be in play, but they've been getting a little bit out of hand in relative to the market. Uh, so for me, it's probably the under or nothing on the side. Yeah, the 31st and success rate against the pass. I don't think yeah. you can have that and make a really substantial argument that it's a top 10 defense. They get a decent amount of pressure, I think, in relation mm-hmm. to maybe what our expectations are. But uh, again, I think some of that stuff is so skewed with them too because the game scripts are, are so flipped oftentimes. And I know that's kind of what DVOA and EPA are somewhat trying to capture the best that they can, but uh, it's, um, it's not a top 10 defense. So. Uh, tough, tough spots. And uh, maybe, I don't know, we're, if we're looking for dogs this week, we are, we're definitely off to a rough start. And I, um, I'd be interested to see if we can get one here. Minnesota in the division on the road against the Lions. Lions, seven point uh, dogs at home. 47 is the total here. Uh, they've been teasing the win column of late, managing to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory in, in two of their past three. Um you can really make a case that their best chance at a win was back in week five when these two teams met when the Vikings basically needed a, you know, that late field goal after giving up that two, two point conversion. But um, both clubs are beat up a bit, especially at running back. If we're going to see here uh, backups on both sides here. If we think the Vikings are going to be serious contenders down the stretch, they obviously need to win this one. Ideally in convincing fashion, really outside of that Seattle win in week three, every single one of their games has been a one to score game. They just, no matter what, play to the level of their competition. Ben, what are your early leans in this matchup? Yeah, absolutely. Like the dog here because the Vikings can't win by more than a possession. That's like a law, right? Uh, No, we don't bet. We don't fade the Vikings during the week. We fade them live during the game. You take your little live profit boost that you're getting from whatever Mm -hmm. book you're on. And you just wait until the Vikings are up by two scores. And then you take whatever spread and whatever yeah. line you get <laughs> on the opposite team. And that just works for you all year. I uh, I missed it for the, uh, the 49ers game. They were only up by seven. I was like, look at them by 10. And they never did more. And I was very disappointed in myself. Usually I wait until it's multiple scores. Um, but in, in all seriousness, without Dalvin Cook, I, Alexander Madison's a very good back. Without Dalvin Cook, they're they're usually a little bit more pass heavy, which does worry me um, because the Lions passing defense is, I would say probably the worst in the league, just off of off of off of what I see. And so I think that you could get some explosives, you could get a really big score early, and then it makes it tough for the Lions to get back in this game. But in general, uh, the Vikings are have shown this year that they're going to play the competition. If they play a very good team, they're going to have that game decided by three points, win or loss. Ravens, Packers. If they play a bad team, the exact same thing is going to happen. And that's yep. just the nonsense of how this this team believes they need to play on offense in terms of running the football and controlling clock. And then defensively, they're so bad when teams get in the two-minute drill. And so if you get a big lead, teams start running their two-minute drill offense a lot earlier, so on and so forth. And so to me, this is a situation where, non-jokingly, I would take the lines at plus seven, but I think it's going to be more profitable to wait until you get a double-digit line live and then take it then. Talked about it earlier, Connor. Like they are by far the best team in the league from an EPA perspective in the first quarter. Like they just whatever that first <laughs> fifteen is, are good. Yeah, yeah. Like they they absolutely crush it. Uh, they don't get into this to Ben's point. Like 
all right, we're up. We need to run it. Like they are probably a little bit more balanced than they, than they want to be even. And it seems to work for them, but uh, that sounds like a really good way to approach this one. What are your early thoughts on this matchup? No, I can't disagree. And there's also like some speculation that they would go pass heavier, you know, uh, just in this one without cook. And as you mentioned, I think this Detroit pass defense right now, 28th in DVOA dead last and adjusted sack rate 31st in pass rush win, win rate. Uh, I mean, this, this defense is especially the secondary would get you know cooked if uh, Cousins decides to go pass or the Vikings decide to go pass heavy with Cousins. I think that they would you know be very very successful. It's just a matter of you know will they keep doing that if they're winning by two scores. So I think that the live look there is is a is a great look. Um, but otherwise, I mean, like if just handicapping this straight up, you know, like I think that Detroit would probably be the the sharp side here at plus seven. But I don't know if I could do it. I mean, I, I faded the Lions all year to this point, uh, at least not maybe not on the spread, but just in general. Like, you know, it's been just great uh, betting against them. And now, I don't know. I don't know if I could do it. But I think the live look is probably the best way to go about it. Yeah, outside of that week one game where they scored 33 against the Niners, they have not topped 19 all season. Now, I know this mm-hmm. is not a great Vikings defense, but again, we're asking the Lions here to kind of do something they really haven't shown the ability to do. And now we're asking them to kind of do it without their best player, Again, does Swift really matter? Does he move the needle? I don't know. I mean, Jamal Williams. For this is, offense, I think so. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> so that, the thing you know, is, like, when Goff checks it down as much as he does, you're back in your tight end become, like, critical because it's that's that's who's picking up third downs is right. DeAndre Swift eight yards behind the marker. And <laughs> that's what freaks me out. Yeah, because mm-hmm. otherwise we're, we're talking about Josh Reynolds and Khalif Raymond. Like, we, you know, we don't – we're not mm-hmm. really worried about uh, those guys on the outside. So, again, I, I don't know that I have the stomach for it as we sit here, but – taking a Lions under on the team total has been a pretty profitable run here, similar to the Jets. So I might have an appetite for that uh, as we get closer to uh, kickoff here. All right, next one should be one of the better matchups of the week. We have the Chargers on the road against the Bengals. Bengals are laying three at home at win. 50 is the total. Both clubs in the hunt to win their division, jockeying for wild card spots if they fall short. Huge win for Cincinnati last week, sweeping the season series against the Steelers. For the first time since 2009, uh, I believe both of you were in middle school at that time. Uh, defense has come out of the bye with two strong showings. Joe Checks Burrow play, playing terrific <laughs> football. Probably does, to be honest. Um, yeah, Burrow's playing well, man. And then they are relying on Joe Mixon here. And he's balling out too. Uh, ben, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, the the, the team total of the Chargers at 24 is interesting to me because the much in the same way as I was talking about the Cardinals' defense earlier, how every week we have to go further from oh, they're pl- overplaying expectations to being like, oh, they're just good. Like That's where you are, you are with the Bengals' defense a little bit, and especially that Bengals' defensive line. Uh, and we've seen for the, the Chargers this year, the teams with whom they've had trouble have been teams that have been able to cause problems for them with the defensive front. You saw the Broncos live in their defensive backfield. They only scored 20 against the Vikings. They were struggling to pass protect in that game as well. Uh, the, this Bengals' front is a little bit no-namey, right? They got like a good contract for Trey Hendrickson, but then other than that, it's like, Larry Ogunjobi, like B.J. Hill, you know what I mean? It's not dudes that you you think as big-name players, but they're playing really, really, really good ball. Linebacker group plays well. And so I think that that front has the ability to cause protection problems because the Chargers have had trouble communicating and, and working across line all year. They're dealing with injury now as well. And the Chargers have shown us that even when this offense is operating at its highest level, it wants to be very methodical. It does not want to be you know, two-minute, four-play scoring drives, bang, bang, bang down the field. It could be that. We <laughs> doggone wish it would be that. But it's not right. It has shown that it wants to inch the ball down the field. And 
the 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 Bengals are willing to let you do that if you can because they think they can win up front and they can win third downs. So Chargers, like I, I wish I could get twenty four. I wish I could get that hook because I probably would sit on it until now. But I do think this is going to be a little bit lower scoring on the Chargers end. Bengals are a tough team to predict because does Jamar Chase catch his two fifty yard targets? If so, right. scoring thirty five. If not, was scoring twenty. Like I got, <laughs> you know, they're they're very much kind of in the middle there. So they're a tough team to go about. But if there's anything I trust in this game, is that the Bengals have a, a trench advantage when their defense is on the field. Yeah, totally agree. I, and we talk about you know looking at these spots for running backs against the Chargers. I mean, I feel like the issues are so much more uh, deeper than just their refusal to load the box. I mean, we talked about it. Uh, I think Warren's talked about it a lot on as far as the offense goes. They're just their reliance on big plays on third down. They're just not good early in downs, first and second down, which is really surprising. They're too conservative as well, which is really, really surprising. You've seen Herbert's uh, 7.1 average depth of target is 33rd out of 39 starters on uh, first and yeah. second down this season. Like that's that is not who that dude is, right? Like, and it... the worst news is that since the bye, their early down offense has been a lot better. So what they did in the bye was not change the depth of targets. The depth of targets got lower. They fine-tuned how they got into their calls, and now it's working. And so like, ah, oh, this is how we should be. Nope. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> they kept sucking and learned the lesson. But yeah. unfortunately, they learned the wrong lesson. Yeah, I got a piece of Chargers. I mean, uh, Bengals at uh, minus two and a half, Connor. Uh, but I can I can be sold on some of the unders here too because Ben makes a good point. Like there is a lot of volatility in the Bengals' outcome because they have shown coming out of there by a, a, a reliance on running the ball. They will hand it to Mixon over and over again. So, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I mean that that was the biggest mismatch for me would be uh, the the Bengals' running offense against the Chargers' run defense. Uh, I mean they handed the, we don't have to even like assume like rational coaching or I guess like you know playing to a mismatch here like. The Bengals came out of the bye and have now handed the ball off to Mixon 58 times in two games. Uh, and, you know, the Chargers run defense, 30th run DVOA. They've got to play, they played a little bit letter, better as of late, but as you mentioned, you know, aren't really uh, stacking the box. And um, I don't know. I mean, the, the, the Bengals can beat you other way. It's not that they can. It's just that it seems like that's what they want to do right now. And so if they're, if they're going to keep doing that, which, you know, all signs point to them doing that, uh, and the Chargers aren't really too interested in stopping the run. I think that that leads to a little bit of an advantage where, you know, Burrow's kind of, you know, able to be a little bit more of a game manager, but he doesn't need, necessarily need to be. So uh, I lean towards the Bengals here at minus three. Uh, and, and as Ben mentioned, I think that there's some uh, defensive, you know, um, pluses for the Bengals as well on their side of the ball compared to the Chargers. I think it's, it's the Chargers offense has just been really, really disappointing, honestly. Like I th- felt like a few weeks in, like everyone was ready to crown Brandon Staley, the new king, and now he's like, I mean, everyone every every week just seems to be shaking their head. Where is it? Somewhere there in the middle, right? I mean, he's not all of a sudden yeah. a donkey, he's, right? No, just but this ain't yeah. it. Yeah, I went on a big Staley rant on the Wednesday show. So listen to the Bringer Gambling Show Wednesday <laughs> episode. That'd be good. In your in your podcast feed, right next to this bad boy, you just get back back to back two hours of Ben uh, to make your Thursday morning and afternoon commutes uh, all that you need them to be but yeah anyway to be honest like i'll stand for that show anyway you should be listening to that show it's it's fantastic so definitely check that out all right next one uh eagles on the road against the jets i'll go birds uh this will be fun for you uh jets (laughs) catching uh six and a half at home 45 and a half is the total uh eagles on the road again same locker room as last weekend this time against the jets Uh, really incredibly fishy line last week, Ben, I would love to know what your thoughts on that Eagles giants line last week. Like 
Philly had been a really popular public team. They'd been getting steamed over and over again over the last five, six weeks. Giants were coming off of a bye, really bad loss in prime time against the Bucks, And then hosting the Eagles on a short week, they fired their OC. And that just hung out. They were running out the B team on offense with all those dudes injured. And it just mm-hmm. hung around at like three and a half all week. And it seemed really, really, really strange. Um, yeah, what about this spot here? We don't know what's going on at quarterback. Probably hurts. Looks like he's tracking uh, in, a, in a positive way here. But uh, what are your thoughts on this matchup? Yeah, I know that line looks fishy all week. I thought it looked fishy all week. And then you know what I did right before kickoff? <laughs> yeah, took the Eagles. Uh, go yeah. Birds. Uh, and that was a bad decision. The question really is uh, the degree to which Hurts is healthy, right? We saw when Hurts played against the Giants uh, this past week after being so run heavy, shotgun option runs and everything, the Eagles wanted to make him into a drop back passer. And we don't really know, you know, in the post game, when I was talking about that, I was like, they're trying to evaluate. They're trying to figure out what they can and can't be on offense. They try to be a little bit more spread, a little bit more, you know, like intermediate passing and see if they could. And they can't. Now it turns out maybe that had something to do with his health. And and if he's gutting it out, but he's at 75%, this is a complete and total stay away. Because this offense cannot work unless Jalen Hurts is talking and running the football and designed runs and scrambles. Uh, over the last over, over the last five weeks before that Giants game, Hertz had more scrambles, more EPA per scramble, more first down per scrambles than anybody. He was Lamar plus in terms of scrambling, right? And yeah. Lamar's always been a really good design runner. He doesn't like to scramble as much. Hertz's scrambles were the whole kit and caboodle for the Eagles passing game. If they lose that, this is a very, very bad passing attack. Bad receivers, bad design. Not bad designs, okay designs, but Hertz limits them in terms of how they can throw the ball. So uh, to me right now, this is it, it, with where we're at with the, the injury, hopeful that he can gut it out kind of is the message we're getting. I'm I'm a definite stay away from any Eagles part of this. Jets team total at 19 and a half just feels too high. And as you talked about, like the Jets are just a, a pretty solid system under bet. This Eagles defense wasn't trustworthy to start the season, have really rounded into form over the last month. If they can dominate an offensive line, they can really sit on you. Jets offensive line is really bad. Uh, so under 19.5 does feel appropriate for the Jets. Yeah, last week got lucky. It was the first time all season I think the Jets team total was even above 20. We got a 21 and a half, which was lovely because they landed right on the 21, which is beautiful. <laughs> but we've been cashing unders at 17 and a half all season. So anytime you're going to give me a couple extra points, uh, you can very easy sell me as an auto bet on a Jets uh, team total under. Connor, I know that you were also a heavy Jalen Hurts stand. Uh, unfortunately, producer Sal has been dreaming of Gardner Minshew getting some snaps here this week. But uh, what are your thoughts here in the Eagles Jets matchup? I think I think a lot of it does depend on his health here because hypothetically it's like you know an awesome matchup. The Jets 30th and run to DVOA. The Eagles, you know, I mean at least for a while there looked to be the run heaviest team in all of football and were doing so very successfully, just really like imposing their will up front, uh, you know, against other teams. Uh, and now like you know this would hypothetically be a good matchup, but if if there's not the you know threat of Hurts running the ball and they're not going to kind of run that same offense, then I don't know. I guess the, you know the the appeal just really isn't as much there, especially, I mean, you're laying a touchdown here in most spots on the road. Uh, like, you know, no matter where, like who you're playing against, that's not really like always the the best bet in my opinion. So you can convince me at six and a half, you're, you'll still find some six and a halfs there. But again, I'd want more confirmation on Hertz health. Yeah. Good call. Jets team total is the play. Uh, you could probably get there regardless of what's going on at quarterback. You're probably pretty safe there. All right, next, uh, the Giants on the road against Connors Dolphins. Um, love is here, Sal. Um, the uh, Dolphins uh, are three, four in some spots. So uh, 42 is the total here. 
Uh, we touched briefly on the Giants' Week 12 upset of the Eagles earlier here, but uh, let's see if they get to throw in another paper champion. This week it is the winners of four straight Connors Dolphins. Um, the prime Such time, a hater. Such a hater. Well, so listen, I mean, they had the primetime Blitzer face-off performance against Lamar, and that was impressive. Uh, I love seeing Tua go out and ball out, considering all the BS he's been through so far this season and his career, brief career with all these trade rumors and stuff like that. But, like, I have a hard time being overly impressed with wins against Carolina, the Jets, and the Texans. And now they back into this Mike Glennon spot again. They're doing it again how they did it last year, which is which is an unsustainably high turnover rate, um, a improving pass rush. But again, I like seeing Tua play well. I think Jalen Waddle is a baller, um, and I but I don't think this is a playoff team per se. Uh, Benjamin, do you disagree with me here? Talk to me about this one. Yeah, I just wrote about Tua and about the fact that like they're figuring it out, and Dolphins fans are really upset with me. So the Dolphins are going to cover. They're going to cover by five billion. Uh, never say anything bad about the Dolphins in my life. I think they cover. Uh, when you look at how this defense has worked. Uh, in the instances in which they've been successful, it's been when they face those bad offensive lines who have who have protection call problems because then they can put seven on the line, right? Like the Ravens didn't have an answer out of empty. Uh, the the Jets don't have don't have a, a quarterback center duo that they feel confident can get themselves into their protections, right? The Dolphins want to confuse your line, and that is something that you expect to happen against the Giants with how bad this offensive line has played uh, over the last two weeks. That's what we've seen work for the Dolphins, and then the 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 Dolphins offense is enough right like I, I it's not incredible it's not like oh they match up great against the giants because they don't really it's just if you can get Jalen waddle in stride a couple of times you can get mike Gesicki in stride a couple of times if you can work the constraint plays right the little bubble screens and the reverses with albert wilson enough to get that one or two explosive play you're fine you know you're going to be okay so it's a little bit riding on the edge with the dolphins but given what they're facing with glenn and and, and you know second game of freddie kitchens bad offensive line i think you can trust them to, to cover this year Connor, go ahead, buddy. Yeah, I'm, I'm on that too. It's, what's interesting, so they opened at minus three, right? And the Daniel Jones news moved it to like minus five, and then now it's back down to minus four. So the markets are saying that the move from Daniel Jones to Mike Lennon is worth like a point, which is, I mean, that's sad. Like Mike Lennon is legit. Like, I mean, he, he's not a guy you want to be trotting out as your starting quarterback. I still have, you know – uh, scarred memories of watching him in Chicago, you know, be like the starter for like whatever, what was like a half or, you know, maybe three, you know, three quarters of a game where he was just like, looked so skittish behind the offensive line and like was like visibly nervous anytime he got pressure on him. Uh, I, I just like, I can't wait for the Dolphins to tee off on him. I mean, honestly, at this point, <laughs> I think that, yeah, I think they're going to cover. I mean, I'll, beyond that too. Uh, so Cleve TA tweeted this out. Since Tua returned in week seven, he has been the best quarterback in the NFL in EPA and CPOE composite. Um, number one overall, you know, it's a fairly strong, you know, metric combination there. It's not, you know, some BS. Uh, and so, I mean, I look, look, I don't think that he's awesome. I mean, he's definitely not the best quarterback in the NFL or even top five, but, you know, he's been playing better. And I think that, you know, Jalen Waddle is certainly starting to come on. I would love for them to keep using him in like intermediate to deeper routes beyond just like, you know, running slants and, you know, short, short script stuff, every single play, but uh, he'll get there. I mean, it's, it's, it's happening. So I think that laying it with the dolphins here and kind of keep tapping in on that, uh, that waddle to a connection. We saw the slant in stride last week, which is a rarity. We really haven't seen that. It's just been a lot of hook and fall down. There hasn't been a lot of yak uh, as far as waddles gone. So yeah, it was was nice to see last week. I I don't know how you can confidently back the giants here. 
because again, this is another spot where it's like a, depends point bad offensive line and the you know, Dolphins are opportunistic and turnovers are a problem. Maybe that's why I moved back because really Daniel Jones is the turnover and maybe Mike Lennon because he's scared mm-hmm. uh, is more apt to protect the ball, check down, you know, not going to scramble all those things where we see all those turnovers and fumbles come from Daniel Jones. So uh, I do think Dolphins are the side here. Giants team total under as well. Yeah. Uh, it could be something we can have an appetite for again on the right side of 17 being a key number there. I just, again, this offense with all these weapons probably still out, you know, again, on paper, you were looking at some dudes that are playmakers. They're 31st in explosive pass rate on the season. There's just nothing there on the giant side. I don't think Mike Glennon is the guy who turns it on this week. So uh, we'll move on to the next one. We have Jacksonville on the road in LA against the Rams. Rams are laying 13 and a half at win 47 and a half is the total here. No secret that the Rams have been in a funk of late. Again, the Jags can be an elixir to anyone to fix that. Um, Sheila Kapadia at the Athletic did a great job this week breaking down the Rams' recent struggles. I thought it was really telling, too. LA 30th in EPA per drive over the past four weeks. The Rams have played 75 regular season games under Sean McVay. Their past three games all rank in the bottom 10 in EPA per drive for a McVay coach team. Um, that's that's rough. Again, this is, these are Jared Goff led offenses for a couple of years. Uh, they did not have a lot of ceiling to them. Uh, this has been pretty bad. There might be something to the Stafford injury whispers. Um, I, I just don't know. The offensive issues are a problem. Um, a defense too is just kind of average at best. I mean, obviously with Brandon Staley moving on, losing some key guys in free agency, you know, a couple of guys went to Cleveland, like all of a sudden you can't just plug in, um, you know, nothing's around Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey and hope it works. They're pretty middling defensively too, Ben. What are your thoughts on this one? 13 and a half, though, big number. Yeah, absolutely. I think that right now, like defensively, I think they've always been middling and there's been some nice games and they're really, really good, like pressure package team. So they get some like nice third down stops. But in general, like the nuts and bolts aren't what they were with Staley. And that's what you get when you you take a, a, a defensive coordinator who never coached in a system and try to kind of shoehorn him into yeah. that philosophy that Staley has in Raheem Morris. That's just I don't think that was ever going to be super duper neat. Uh, offensively, we've just seen this McVay offense every year come late November, early December just really start to tail off. And it's just, he gets, you know, like, defense is key in on tendency. He just kind of button mashes all the classics and they're ready for it. Like it's just, it, it, there, there seems to be a staleness that he always has to overcome where, where people just kind of get dialed in on his stuff, throw in the Stafford injuries as well. And to me, I'm at the point where I, I don't know how much I trust 13 and a half, but I do like under 47. Uh, Though the, the number one thing that really interests me about that number and, and, and makes me feel good about the under is I do think that looking at how the Rams have played the last few games, they're going to try to run the ball more in this Jaguars game. And they're going to try to run the ball, run the ball once they get that lead, especially because they've really fallen out of balance with that, right? They've lost their play action game. They lost under center game, but they've also like been effective running the football and then just let go of it really quickly when they get into these, these close games, they're going back and forth. So I think you're going to see a little bit of a rededication to that over the next coming weeks, kind of calling my shot on that a little bit, um, which is going to help, I think, keep this total down. Jaguars also have a, when they win on defenses with the front and that's where the Rams lose. So I wouldn't be surprised if we get a couple of, of surprising stops in this Jaguars team altogether. Uh, I like under 47 and a half. Connor, maybe a good spot for us to go back to maybe a team rushing total. We hit on the Eagles, rushing total number last week um, again maybe if it, they're going to be running more maybe we do see a little bit more sony michelle but i know they want to get d hendo going so maybe we look at d hendo or maybe we look at a team total but uh you know from a rushing standpoint what are your thoughts on this matchup 
Yeah, what's interesting is their the Jags run D has been, I mean, decent. Uh, they're 14th in DVOA, uh, but they were like top 10 entering last week, and you know they they looked good against the 49ers. They looked good, like you know, periodically they played pretty well. Um, and so you know, if the Rams do want to run the ball, I think that the Rams can probably overcome you know the Jags run defense. Um, but at the same time, I think that that's their relative strength. I mean, their pass defense right now is just you know, dead last in DVOA, 30th in uh, explosive pass rate allowed, 30th in Justin Sack rate. So it's not really, I think that that's a little bit more, like if you want to optimize how you're going to attack them, I think that that makes a lot of sense. But uh, the way that Stafford's looked and the way this passing offense has looked, I'm not really sure that that's optimal for them. So I think it's kind of tough. Uh, and yeah, I'd probably lean towards the under. 13 and a half is a lot of points. I mean, the Rams are a better team, again, pretty much everywhere. But, uh, you know, it's tough to lay. It's tough to lay the thirteen and a half. All things considered, for me, yeah. The, the Jags run defense against the Niners. I mean, it was like twenty-one zip five minutes in, and they yeah. knew that was all San Francisco was going to do for the rest of the game. So I think that probably skews things. I don't know that I, I buy it per se, but there uh, there were other good games. You know, there before that. I mean, they were like trending up. Yeah, probably is the strength of the defense though. Lots of. I mean, relative. You know, like it's yeah bad and not as bad. Right, for sure. All right, next, uh, Washington on the road in Vegas against the Raiders. Raiders laying three here at home. 49 is the total here with a pesky football team here all of a sudden. They've won three in a row. Look to make it four this week in Vegas. Raiders kind of did Washington a solid last week, uh, keeping their playoff hopes alive a little bit. Their Thanksgiving Day win against Dallas. The Raiders, for me personally, just continue to be one of the most difficult teams to cap. Um, mm-hmm. The weekly range of outcomes seems to be so vast. Now we're pulling Darren Waller out of the lineup. Probably appears unlikely to go, dealing with his T-ban issue. Probably just you know a, a really bad Charlie Horse. I don't want to minimize that, but enough to make him not play this week is, is pretty significant. And part of the resurgence on the Washington side has been the defense. They've been playing better of late. And again, the matchup gets a little bit easier. 49 feels like a lot of points here, Ben. What are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, I would have told you last week before the the Cowboys game. I was like, I got the Raiders. I got him, man. Like, it's just been the flashing rate is down. Like, Derek Carr's not throwing it as far down the field on third downs. Like, Carr's becoming what he used to be without Ruggs, without John Gruden. Like, this offense isn't what they were. And then defensively, like, we knew this couldn't hold up. Like, all they do is rush four, and that's the only way they try to get pressure. And, like, we've got him. And then they scored 34 points against the Cowboys. And I was like, dang it. Like, no. Uh, so, right. I'm there with you where it's like, come on. Like, they're a very tough offense to figure out. Defensively, like I said, they are exactly what they are. And they're going to be that. They're going to rush four and drop seven. And then they're going to play cover three. And they're going to tell you to beat it over and over and over again. Uh, Heineke likes to target his backs and his tight ends. That's what you want to do when you're getting z- zone drop, right? Throw Logan Thomas open between two zone droppers for six-yard gains. Do it till the cows come home. J.D. McKissick on the swing. Let him go beat a guy in space, six-yard gain, till the cows come home. Uh, so I like the Raiders uh, – excuse me, I like the football team's ability to score points here in this one. And then Raiders, that offensive variability, that's tough to trust. So if I'm anywhere on 49, I'm maybe a little bit edge on the on the over. But in general, since I can get sub-24 on Washington, that's what it is that I want to take. And I know they haven't, in their wins, been that prolific of a passing game. A lot of that is some red zone issues. And while red zone issues can be sticky, there is regression there. And I think that yeah. if we get, a, you know, we get lucky on a, a second and goal from the four, then we're okay. Uh, so I like Washington to get over 23 in this one. Connor, we got JD McKissick, I think, in the concussion protocol. So we might get Jerry Patterson. What? what? Okay, maybe not over Washington 23. <laughs> I did not know about McKissick. Yeah, I think he got he got dinged up late in that one after two scores. So I don't I mean we don't obviously it's Wednesday as we're recording this. These things can play themselves out in a big way. But uh yeah, I mean he's 
that is an interesting piece mm-hmm. as far as where he goes. Um, you know, Connor Big Jert, uh, Patterson fan, man. Maybe we can, <laughs> maybe we can get those guys. Uh, what are your thoughts on this one? Uh, as long as they post Jared Patterson props, I mean, that's all I need in my life. Um, yeah. Over yeah. a half a touch. Okay. <laughs> um, no, I, I mean, I think that you wanted some live dogs. I mean, I think that Washington's live here, uh, certainly. Uh, I mean, their their three game win streak over the Seahawks, Panthers, and Bucks. It's not like they were playing nobody. I mean, the Seahawks have been, I mean, pretty bad as, as of late. But you know, the the Bucks is a great win. The Panthers are, you know, they still have a good defense. Uh, I mean, these are not like you know bad wins compared to this Washington team that. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, I thought they were down and out, like, you know, a bottom three team for sure. Now, I mean, they're at five wins, like their win total was eight on the season. I mean, they could very well push that, you know, come when push comes to shove at the end. Um, the Like you said, though, the Raiders, like, you know, they lost three or four games after the bye. I kind of thought we knew who they were as well. But beating the Cowboys threw me for a loop. That's why I think that I'm fine sprinkling, you know, a little bit on the money line with what the football team. I think that at this point, they're probably they might be able to catch them here. Um, but uh, that it's tough for me to back it more than like, you know, maybe like a, like a half unit sprinkle kind of thing on the, the football team, just because I have just no faith in the Raiders to continue being good at all. I think that that was like kind of a fluke. Could be an interesting teaser. Like too, you can you tease them up through, you know, get the six again, tease up through the eight. Um, you could probably, you know, get this at two and a half. That's, you know, with the way key numbers are working in the NFL these days, you know, getting through that is uh is additional help. You feel pretty good about that. So could be an interesting look here, but again, to Ben's point, uh, his his breakdown makes a lot of sense. But track the McKissick news. Uh, yes. Don't lock him in. Don't lock him in on the football team take until we get to the um, availability of uh, McKissick here. All right, next uh, in the division, Baltimore at Pittsburgh. The Steelers catching three and a half at home. Forty four is the total here. These are rarely the most aesthetically pleasing matchups, but they always matter, especially come December. Pittsburgh's recent slide aside, they are still somehow in the playoff hunt even though the divisional crown feels out of reach at this point. The Ravens pulled off the rarest of feats last week. Teams that have thrown four picks in the game had lost 54 straight matchups until the Ravens somehow did what they did last week against the Browns. Uh, That's been a little bit of their MO all season long. They are kind of living on the fringes of variance at times in these coin flip situations. As far as turnover margin go, one-score games, they have six one score wins so far this season, by far the most in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, they're the better team here. Pittsburgh might be without TJ Watt, who is in the COVID protocol. Uh, what do we think about this spot, Ben? Yeah, I, it's like the Giants Eagles. This feels way too fishy for me to like actually take Ravens yeah. minus three and a half because for all of the Ravens issues and 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 the the close games, right? You're just not you don't expect Lamar to throw four picks in a game, right? Like we don't we don't bet for that. Like Lamar's yeah. been so much better passing than he has been all season. So if we lose a bet, he throws another four picks, then we lose that bet and we, we, we move to the next day. In general, this this passing game is really effective and the Steelers' defense without Watt has been worrisome so far this year. So we love Ravens minus three and a half. And for that reason, we don't take Ravens three and a half because there's something <laughs> that we, wrong. Right, it feels gone a little funky. And I think it's just generally that idea of the Steelers are really good at making you play their game. They're really good at making you play these ugly rock fight games that are close late. And then the Ravens continue to be a team that because of their defensive injuries will just give up the random explosive. Uh, and with the number of plays the Steelers run, that gets a little bit worrisome. Uh, Chase Claypool is so good at ripping off an explosive. Najee Harris is so good at ripping off an explosive uh, that you'd worry about losing this bet on like three plays. So I like Ravens three and a half. But I, this is this is probably one of those this week. It's just like I don't touch for me. It's a divisional game between two really tough, really well coached teams. A lot of stuff goes weird in those. I probably just missed stay away. 
And you're right, Ravens 31st in explosive pass rate allowed, 27th in run rate. So they are it's giving so up. so dumb. <laughs> yeah, like they are, you know, 7th in yards per drive, 7th in points per drive, but they are giving up these massive big plays, which, you know, put us in these coin flip spots. Connor, what are your uh, early leans here? And the, the Steelers' defense, too. I mean, 24th in run to DVOA, 26th in pass to DVOA. I think a lot yeah, of that's weird. due to injuries, but, I mean, they've just been not good, you know, lately. And I think that that's – I mean, the Ravens – should be able to take advantage of that. But I think that, as you mentioned, there's a lot of other factors that go beyond our on-field handicaps. And I think that, you know, a lot of times, like we can look at the players, we look at the matches, we look at the metrics. And a lot of this, like, you know, you're on the road in the division against like a, a rivalry, like those things like actually matter in football games, uh, even though, you know, it's it's tough to quantify. It just, they just do. Like we see them all the time, like every year. This, it just happens. Like the Ravens are probably going to win by like three points. Yeah, it's I'm with you. I'm with Ben. Like you look at this, and you're like, oh, three and a half. Like they are significantly the better football team. You're like, yeah, oh, they just yeah. there's yeah. You're right. We'll be dying by that hook come Sunday. So uh, stay away from me currently, and uh, especially again without TJ Watt. Like another reason for them to to be undermanned. So uh, yeah, some there's enough on the board. Keep keep it moving. Uh, easy to to kind of cross it off the list. This is another one. Same spot here. Uh, Niners on the road in Seattle. Seattle is uh, catching two and a half at home. 46 is the total. Again, in the division, uh, these matchups, uh, again, taking the points with the home dog in the division is probably a long-term plus EV play. Um, Feels like these two clubs are trending in opposite directions. The wheels have essentially fallen off for Seattle. Uh, But again, like the bookmakers aren't waving the white flag on Seattle. Maybe like we want to here. Niners have won four or five uh, slipped up at home against Colt McCoy and the Cardinals, but they're headed to Seattle again with some key injuries. And maybe that's a part of it too. Debo Samuel, Fred Warner uh, set to miss this one. Um, Seahawks have really for years been propped up by this otherworldly efficiency from Russell Wilson. And it's nowhere to be found right now. They are not running the football. Well, they are not doing it. Uh, with the rust magic and the defense is terrible. They're dead last in yards per drive allowed. It's just not a good football team. They don't even have their first round pick. Uh, and that pick is like a top five pick right now, Ben. Uh, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I uh, uh, I have the Niners at two and a half. And I got that when it opened. And then you've seen this kind of float around the three. Uh, and I think I'd still like it up to three, up to three and a half. And the thing that makes it different for me is like, the I, I haven't seen a team this discombobulated on offense. Like the Seahawks are in a while. Right. Like they're to say they're nowhere doesn't even begin to cover it. Like yeah. every early down pass is like under center play action. And like every second and 10 is like a zone run. It's just like they are, they are so much at the bare bones of this playbook trying to figure out what works. Like what, what do we have? Like what, what is ours that we can rely on? They're just simply nowhere right now as a team. Uh, I get that. Going to the answer, what I, what I believe to be a generally underrated defense. Uh, first year DC and D'Amico Ryans, who took a lot of injuries to start the year. D'Amico's figured stuff out as he's gone on, and the defense got healthier as, as, gone, as things have gone on. And they're coming off a Minnesota game where Minnesota scared, scored a fair number of points. Minnesota does that to most defenses, right? Like yeah. they hung out on the Packers, then the Packers came out and had another really good week against the Rams. Like Minnesota's just a, a, a solid, trustworthy offense at this point. I like the Niners defense. I get that against Seattle. And then I get a Niners running game that just is a lawnmower at this point. And there's no Debo, which is a, a, a point for concern, but Elijah Mitchell, Jeff Wilson, uh, George Kittle, and then Brandon Ayuk. This team, this offense is also like getting healthier. And Ayuk is not really healthier. It's more like out of the doghouse. But the talent yeah. is there where it, where it wasn't, right? So no Debo is a momentary pause. But I think there's enough 
uh, uh, fighting power on the offensive side of the ball to get this done. So I liked it at lower than two and a half. Obviously, if you if you can get that, if you want to buy the points, I think that that's encouraged. But even at three and at three and a half, uh, this is one of the spreads that I like this week. And the whispers to get Trey Lance in there have been really, really faint uh, because they continue. Really, it's been his entire career in, in San Francisco is they scheme really well with Jimmy and he can get it done when he can stay on the field. Again, always has a really high expected completion percentage. They do it right. And he is playing pretty good football right now. Again, like not a world beater, but in that scheme, in that system, they seem to know what works for him. And he's playing pretty good ball as a lady's probably flirting with Tua from a standpoint. Of, he is. You know, he's deposit, number two on, right? the, on the, the since week six. He's number two. Yeah. Right behind Mac Tua. Jones has got to be in that mix too. Like those guys mm-hmm. are all like, again, those coaches are kind of, you know, scheming their balls off and we're seeing pretty good quarterback play. Uh, Connor, any thoughts here in this matchup? Uh, I like the the Seattle team total under. I think that like it was at 21, 21 and a half for a while. Uh, I mean, that that felt a little bit high. They have zero, 13 and 15 points in three games since they came back. Like they just look completely lost, as Ben mentioned. And not to mention on the other side, I think that San Francisco is going to just run the ball like the entire game uh, and, you know, drain the clock here. So I think that uh, for Seattle to score three touchdowns, I mean, yeah, it's certainly possible. And I think I would like to see it happen uh, in most you know instances because the Seattle offense, when they're, you know, fun is, is an awesome offense with, you know, Metcalf just burning corners deep and, you know, Russ cooking, but it's, I just don't see it as this being the spot. So yeah, I'd probably lean under there. I would, I would definitely lean towards uh, San Francisco, but I think that the under I like a little better. Yeah. Mr. Limited on the season. It's uh, for real. Pretty rough. <laughs> All right. Last one, Sunday night game. We have Denver on the road in Kansas city, uh, Kansas city lane 10, 47 and a half is the total here. Another divisional matchup. Big win for Denver at home last week against the Chargers. They've won three or four, back at 500 now, uh, headed to KC, fresh off the bye. Uh, last time we saw them, they beat Dallas 19-9. to nine. Uh, Again, holding Dallas to nine points is great. Again, that Dallas team was really depleted. You know, no Amari Cooper. They lost CeeDee Lamb halfway through it. You know, Zeke banged up there. Again, only scoring 19 against this flawed Dallas defense is still a little concerning knowing again, what happened to them on Thanksgiving with what the Raiders were able to do to them. Like I want, I like nice things. I want Kansas city back in my life. Fun scoring 35, 40 points on these teams. Uh, I'm just still concerned Ben, about like the guys not named Kelsey, not named Tyreek. Do they have enough here down the stretch to be able to turn it on? 10 is a lot in the division, but again, they're at home. What are your thoughts here? Yeah, very much agree. I would love to be all the way there with Kansas city back. I'm not. Uh, and this Fangio defense has, has caused problems for good mm-hmm. Chiefs offenses, right? Yep. So what do bad Chiefs offenses do? Uh, and, and and man, Denver's defense is, is like, it's like that Raiders offense unit. How much do we trust them right now, like on a week-to-week <laughs> basis? I'd love to be like, yeah, Fangio defense, bang. But it's not the case. However, this week, uh, uh, under 47 and a half feels good for me. We've seen this Fangio defense play well against the Broncos. We've seen this, or excuse me, against the Chiefs. And we've seen this Chiefs defense under Spagnola get better on a week-to-week basis. Melvin Ingram's been a nice boost. They're just, they, they're they figuring out what they can and can't do with the limited personnel that they have. Uh, the Broncos have shown us that they're willing to put together these long drives, play for third downs, run the football, keep the clock moving. And when you play too high against the Chiefs, which Fangio is a too high base defense, uh, they got to put together long drives. We've seen these 12, 13 play drives, these quick passes, run after catch. It's going to keep the clock moving. Uh, so under 47 and a half feels appropriate for me. On the spread, I think 10 is a very appropriate price. If I could get nine 
And I think I might get there by kickoff. I think we'll see this move to the Broncos a little bit, maybe. But in general, I'd much prefer the total taking the under. Yeah, Connor, what do you think here, buddy? Maybe some Broncos, like props, unders. I don't know. I think, I mean, the Chiefs defense has been playing a little bit better as of late, allowing, I mean, seven, 14, and nine points the last three games. After a lot, I mean, it's all relative. Again, they were allowing 29 or more points in each of their first five games uh, straight in the season. And now coming out of the bye, I mean, Denver's coming off a big win over the Chargers. And I, I mean, but they're, they're defensive. The Broncos' defensive metrics, I think, are just like all over the place. Like, they're bad right now, but they've played really well sometimes and they've played just so bad. I think, as you guys mentioned, just been a, Complete roller coaster. Um, I think that Kansas City is a great teaser leg. That's what I would say if you wanted to play the side there. Um, mm-hmm. But because I'm pretty confident that they win. And if you could, if it does get down to nine, you could get a blow to three. Uh, I mean, that'd be an awesome teaser leg. But uh, yeah, I think otherwise for me, I'd probably just like to play some some Broncos props unders there, depending on what those come out at. I still have an appetite for maybe some Javante Williams overs. I think we've seen two weeks in a row here with a higher snap share. Uh, more passing game work for him. Uh, I think he's just a baller. I think we're going to continue to to buy. That probably is a trend that, if nothing else, stays the same. If not, continues to grow. I think he's just a better player than than Melvin Gordon. But uh, we got so lucky last week, though. I mean, we got so so lucky. The prop was at like what forty nine, and he got there on like the last play. We count, the whole, we count the whole game. We get we get, <laughs> we get every last snap. So mm. yeah, uh, I I'm with Ben there. Like I I want to believe, but. Uh, there's just not a lot here for me currently. So, all right, fellas, that wraps us up. Ben, super grateful for you coming on. I know you're a busy guy again, coming right out of the, you know, in the booth doing the Wednesday show with Warren and then coming to join us. Appreciate it. Let everyone know where they can find all your stuff. Yeah. I'm not busy guys. It's just all I do, man. Like, I was like, <laughs> yeah, I like to make people think that. So then I get out of shows. I don't want to do, but I don't do anything. Uh, no. Yeah. Ringer NFL show Mondays and Fridays, Ringer gambling shows on Wednesdays, all the NFL contents at the ringer.com. Awesome. Appreciate it. Again, uh, don't forget to subscribe, rate and review wherever you're there. Uh, we're podcast form, YouTube. We appreciate you greatly. Connor and I will be back on Friday with Alex uh, to get deep into the prop streets. So for Ben and Connor, I'm Ryan. We'll see you soon.